Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Foss Corporation, LLC. I used to tour with Andrew Dice Clay. That was his opening act. This is about 1999-2000, and we worked in Vegas. So Andrew got a contract at the Stardust, which was one of those really old-school original Vegas hotels, which for a long time it was like the place to be. But there was that feeling in that place that I didn't feel in any of the other Vegas hotels. It just felt like there was something heavy and something uncomfortable. So it was the night of our first show. Andrew was there with his two bodyguards, Kenny and Happy Face. And on this night, Andrew said to me, the suite they give me is not going to be used. Do you want to stay in it? Now, as the opening act, you never get to stay in a suite, ever. So I was like, yeah, of course I want this. It was probably the first time I'd ever stayed in a suite. And I went up to the suite. I get off on the ninth floor. The entire floor was vacant. I was going to be just me and a hotel floor full of empty rooms. And I got a slightly creepy feeling. I felt like I was being washed as I walked down the hallway. So I got into the suite. I mean, it was the biggest hotel room I've ever been in. I was thrilled. It was a massive living room. It was a fireplace. There was a bedroom and there was a billiard room with a full pool table and cues and sticks and all that. So it was everything you'd want, even though it was an older hotel and the suite had obviously seen better days. There had been many, many, many years of people coming in and out of this place. And I knew nobody else was going to be showing up at the suite that night, so I latched the door. That night, there was a part of me that was embarrassed even alone to admit that I was really uncomfortable in this room and that I was slightly frightened to be by myself. So I found myself just doing things to avoid going to bed. Uh, I showered, I put the TV on, and I went into the billiard room. I was gonna play pool, but I just felt stupid playing it by myself. So I took the balls, they were in the pockets, I took them out of the pockets, I racked it. And, um, You know, I just got ready for a game of eight ball, and then I left the rack on the table. 
But I figured we'll play tomorrow. I was just not even thinking coherently. I was just doing something to be doing something. And then I finally went back to the bedroom, closed the door, and actually locked it from the inside, and went to sleep. Three or four hours later, I was awakened by the sound of a cue ball hitting pool balls. There's no other sound like that in the world. And I heard murmuring. So I'd assume that just Kenny and Happy Face had come to the suite. And it made me feel better. I felt like I wasn't alone. I felt more comfortable. Then I was kept awake by the sound of the pool balls, and I'd start to get irritated. Hey guys, I'm trying to sleep. So I got up. was still latched from the inside. There was obviously no way anybody could have gotten into the suite. And I was creeped out. And I still could hear the sound of the pool balls. And as I walked towards the billiard room, I could hear little odd voices that I knew were not Kenny and I knew it was not Happy Face. I wasn't imagining it and I know I'm not crazy. balls had been broken out of the rack. They were all over the table. It looked like somebody had been playing pool. I felt like I was in a nightmare. Suddenly, I heard somebody saying, I'm dry. I'm dry. My mouth is dry. My mouth is dry. So I looked towards the window. I saw the reflection, a guy's face. It's just an awful, ugly face. It looked like he was being hurt, like he was involved in a struggle with somebody else. It was a reflection of something that was happening in the room. But there was nothing going on in the room. At that point, I was as scared as I've ever been of anything in my life. Every instinct I had said, just go, get out. Something is very, very wrong. I walked out of the room. I was so frightened, 
And I just quietly walked out of the suite and I walked down to the casino. I found Kenny and Happy Face. I told them a little of what had happened. I just told them this is a creepy, creepy place. And they came back upstairs with me. And we walked into the room. The vibe of the room was different than it was when I had walked out. There was something about those guys being with me. I just didn't feel like whatever was there was there. I packed up my bags and I went down to the end of the hall with those guys and stayed in the original room I was assigned. The next night we were down in the showroom. I was talking to one of the ushers. I said, I'm upstairs at the top floor at the end of the hallway. I told him in the suite and he said, oh, they got you in the Edgar suite. And I'm like, what do you mean? Why do you call it that? And he said, when the mob ran Vegas, there had been a murder in that suite, somebody named Edgar, and it was just something that people who worked in the hotel knew. When I heard that, I was so creeped out. And even though I worked the Stardust for another couple of years with Dice, I never went back to that suite. The Stardust closed in 2006 and was ultimately demolished by implosion uh, about a year later. What I took from the experience was that there is something that exists that is beyond anything I wanted to acknowledge. And it changed the way I saw things. Howdy guys, this is Montana Jordan, a cult specialist, paranormal and parapsychological researcher, and independent consultant. And you are listening to Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast, with my good friend, the amazing Aaron Hunter. Welcome. I'm Aaron Hunter, purveyor of paranormal stories, the occult, and the unexplained. Welcome to RPA. I hope you enjoy your stay. guys it's monday november 14th 2022 episode 283 how's everyone out there around the world doing and man as always i'm glad to be back in the hot seat how's everyone out there around the world doing and it is getting cold over here man 20s in the evening right around the 30s in the afternoon yeah it is getting cold winter's upon us and as far as announcements are concerned there will be a new Aaron's Horror Show tomorrow, which is Tuesday, but this Wednesday there will not be a new Terry's Mysterious Moments. He's taking this week off. And last week, if you guys haven't noticed, you know, Fridays I released two new entertaining short films, but I released them early on Thursday. Uh, but when Friday came around, I released another one. So there's three entertaining short films from last week, and also a new Hoodoo Lounge Radio. So check it out if you haven't... Uh, Watch the films or listen to the Hoodoo Lounge Radio episode. 
and that's it yeah short and sweet nothing going on turkey days coming up over here in the state so hopefully you guys are getting ready for that traveling family friends great conversations <laughs> no family fights no arguments right nice and peaceful yeah let's get to the show and of course we're going to be doing listener stories and so you guys know what that means yeah come on say it with me say it with me that's right to the story den follow me right this way no pushing no shoving and the fires are blazing nice and toasty in here and you guys know the deal grab a beanbag over there in the corner and as always i'm gonna get behind my desk here get nice and comfy okay and i pound off brit's packet thank you brit if you're listening and let's see what she got us today all right Hmm. Okay. Well, it looks like we got a short one and two medium ones. All right. Let me take a sip of my green tea real quick before we begin. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. So good when it hits the lips, I tell you. All right. The first one. This one is by Lady Grey. And it's titled the visit okay lady gray let's see what you got man when I was younger elementary school age I lost a friend in a car accident that I witnessed it was very hard on me and to this day has caused unresolved emotional issues now for the paranormal part of this story right after his funeral that I was unable to attend I started feeling his presence around me. Now, I didn't see him or anything, I just felt him. After about a month, that presence went away and I didn't feel him again. Flash forward to the anniversary of his death. I woke up and could see the outline of a child standing at the foot of my bed. Now, being a young child, you would think that this would have scared me. Yet, I felt nothing but peace and calm. It's almost as if he was just checking on me to make sure I was alright. That is the last time I ever saw him. But every year on the anniversary of his death, he lets me know he's around in some way. Sometimes I just feel his presence. Other times on that day, something will disappear and then reappear in a different location. I think he's just letting me know he's okay. This past year, though, something different happened. My three-year-old daughter was in her room laughing, and it sounded like she was talking to someone. When I asked her who she was talking to, she told me, B. And when I asked her what B looked like, she described him to a T. She told me that, He said to tell me that he's okay and he loves me. I immediately started crying and felt an immense amount of relief. It felt almost as if this was his final goodbye. I'm curious to see if it truly was his final goodbye or if he'll show up again this year. Only time will tell. And that's from Lady Grey. Lady Grey, thank you very much for sharing. Loved it. I love these uh, feel-good stories. And... um, Yeah, this is nothing new, nothing unique. We get these all the time. And I like these stories. And um, 
Yeah. Great story. I loved it. All right. What's next? What do we got? What do we got here? This one is by Omni, and it's titled, Oma's Houseguest. Okay, Omni. Let's see what you got, man. This account involves me, my children, my sister, and my mother. It took place in my mother's home in a small town near London, Ontario, Canada. I grew up in that house since I was nine years old, and while it is not the main story, I did have one odd repeated occurrence that happened to me. Often, when I would go down to the basement where my bedroom was, after rounding the landing to the second flight of stairs, there would be a distinct touch on my back. It was not painful, but felt like someone giving me a good hard flick on the back with their finger. At first, I would turn to look, thinking one of my brothers was behind me, but this was never the case. Eventually, I just shrugged it off, as an oddity. Otherwise, there is nothing I can think of that was supernatural in that house while I lived there. After my father died in the early 1990s, my mother lived alone in the family home. I would visit regularly with my three children and my wife as we did not live too far away. The house was a bungalow, in which you could see down the hallway to the bedrooms and bathroom from the vantage point of the living room. One day after visiting, on the way home in the car, my 12-year-old daughter, my oldest, said to me, when we are at Oma's, Dutch for a grandmother, house, do you see the shadow in the hallway? I told her that I didn't. She went on to tell me that she would see the shadow of a person move quickly across the hallway from the area of the basement stairs to one of the bedrooms. I asked her if that was the first time she had seen it, and she told me that she had seen it many times over the previous few years. I then said, you didn't tell Oma, did you? She said that she had not. I told her to never tell Oma because she would perhaps then be afraid in her own house. I also suggested to my daughter that it could be the sun reflected from a car going by or some other trick of the light. A few years passed, my daughter told me that it did not matter if it was day or night, if the curtains were open or closed, or if there were lights on in the house or not she would still see the quickly moving shadow in the hallway. She thought it was the shape of a man. By this time, I believe she was seeing something supernatural. Although I had not yet heard of a shadow person, I once again cautioned her against telling Oma. My mother was a woman who did not speak much of ghostly matters, as this seemed to her to be dabbling at the edge of evil and certainly was not allowed in the type of Christian home and church she grew up in. This was another reason we could not tell my mother of the shadow man. Years went by, and by this time my other two children had also seen the shadow man from time to time. They described it the same way my oldest daughter did. In 2006, my children and I were visiting my mother one evening. My mother said, during the course of the conversation that it sometimes gets lonely living in the house all alone. 
I agreed that it would. She then went on to say that sometimes it gets a little scary. I said that I could understand but did not ask for specifics as I did not want to tread into the regions of taboo. She went on of her own accord, however, and said that sometimes, at night, she would hear sounds of someone was working at the workbench in the basement. She would also hear the sound of the vice being used. She quickly followed this by saying, you know, house noises. I said that house noises were quite different than the sound of somebody working at the workbench. In full denial, she said, no, just house noises. I was going to let it drop there and did not push unsettling theories on a woman living alone. She then calmly said, and then there's the shadow of a man that flies across the hallway all the time. But I know that's my imagination. At this, my kids and I looked from one to the other and with a force, all of us contained ourselves and kept our mouths from flapping or hanging open. I believe it was my mother's way of telling me about the scary occurrences that still fit in with her ideas of Christian thoughts. The denial that anything was really amiss kept her safe within those bounds. That was all she would say about it and the subject was closed. Unfortunately, my mother became ill a few months later, and she was in the hospital when my sister went to my mother's house to take care of things there. My sister had been to the basement to gather some laundry. When she was back on the main floor, getting ready to leave, she heard a tremendous bang in the basement. She left as quickly as she could. My sister then called me at work from her house, next door to my mother's, and explained the situation. She then asked me to check out my mother's basement after work. I agreed, but only if she came with me. At my mom's, when we got downstairs, I was looking for anything that may have fallen or burst or anything that could make that noise. There was nothing. I then warned my sister that I was going to close a door forcefully. When I did this, I thought she was going to jump out of her skin. She said, that's it that's it that's the bang there is no way that door could do this on its own or with wind etc etc a few days after this my sister started to have bangs in the basement of her house but that is her story to tell sadly my mom never returned to her home as she died of cancer in the hospital i will tell the odd story that surrounded her death at another time as for the house itself, my sister is in contact with the current owner, but he has never reported any odd occurrences. Love RPA. And that's from Oma. Oma, thank you very much for sharing. Man, that's a great story. Yeah, you know, we get that too. It sounds like your, uh, your dad might be hanging around there, and it doesn't seem to be doing anything. It seems to run around that hallway. And uh, that's a good thing that, uh, you know, your, your children are seeing it too. And your mother is seeing it. And, of course, other things. Sounds like uh, your father's old workbench is down in the basement and he's uh, 
you know, fooling around with it. <laughs> yeah, good story. Thank you very much. All right, what's next? What do we got? This one is by Elusive, and it's titled Experiences. Okay, Elusive. Let's see what you got, man. I'm not sensitive to the paranormal, and I'm always the first to debunk my own experiences. My interest stems from a desire for definitive proof of an afterlife. I have a hard time with the concept of God, making death a bleak event indeed. I'm a tough customer. Nothing short of a full-bodied apparition looking at me and saying, Hi, I'm dead, will suffice. Very few of the things I experienced actually made it into this because there are possible explanations for most of them. That being said, I couldn't debunk the following. When I first moved to New Orleans, I was lucky enough to find a place in the French Quarter at a great price. A short description of the layout is necessary to understand my experiences. Most of the houses in the quarter consist of a main house with a separate servant's quarters in the back of the house. I was renting an entire servant's quarter. The main house was being renovated at the time. Between the main house and the servant's house was a small courtyard with a fountain, a table with chairs, and a mature magnolia tree. On the side of the main house, there was a driveway with a tall, heavy-duty, solid metal electronic gate with barbed wire across the top. Bar wire is a common feature on entryways in the quarter. There's just so many drunk people. The sides of the courtyard were bordered by the 25-foot-tall, solid brick sides of the neighboring houses. There were no windows or entrances on these walls. The servants' quarters ran the length of the back of the property. The only entries and windows for this building faced the courtyard. It consisted of a kitchen, living room, and small bathroom downstairs, two bedrooms and a bathroom upstairs. There was an exterior spiral staircase in a gallery, a narrow covered balcony, ran the length of the upstairs. It was classic New Orleans and absolutely beautiful. My dog hated this house. He is a completely mellow mutt. He never barks, chews my stuff, gets in the garbage, peas in the house, nothing. When we moved in, that changed. From the first day, he experienced severe separation anxiety. He would have a meltdown every time I left the house. He started and continued to pee and poop in the house for the extent of our six-month stay, even though our walk routine didn't change. I should also mention a move to a new place was not a new experience for him. This was the fourth or fifth move we made together, never with this reaction. If I left anything in reach, he would rip it to shreds. The vet didn't have a good explanation for me. Many times I would watch him follow something with his head, as though watching someone walk by. Sometimes this was accompanied by a low, deep growl. Once, he went to one of the closets and just laid down in front of it waiting for something. I sat with him and listened, thinking it was maybe a mouse, but nothing. I opened it and searched. Nothing. My dad came to visit one weekend. On the last day, he told me that the previous night 
just a few minutes after he lay down, he heard a noise in his room. He turned and saw the carpet being slowly but fluidly bunched and slid across the floor. He said it lasted about 30 seconds, but seemed like forever. He was petrified. When he could move again, he turned on the lamp and read a book for the rest of the night. He told me most likely he wouldn't be staying in the house on his next visit. I can't say I blame him. As a side note, I mentioned sleep paralysis to him when he told me his story. Like I said, I like to debunk experiences. He said he experiences sleep paralysis and was very familiar with the feeling associated with it. He said he hadn't fallen asleep yet. He could breathe just fine. It was pure and simple terror that froze him as he watched that carpet move. One evening I was in my bedroom getting dressed after a shower when I heard something light and two-legged run the length of the gallery, starting at the stairs past my room and fading at the entrance to the second bedroom. It had weight to it, but didn't make as much noise as a full-grown person. I distinctly remember feeling the vibrations and watching the curtains shake with the movement. My dog started growling and I grabbed the knife I kept behind my bed. I'm a single woman, I don't take chances. I got outside and checked everything. Roofs, tree, stairs, nothing. There was no movement anywhere and it was still daylight. I stood and listened for several minutes for anything going across the roof or through the tree, but there wasn't even a breeze. It was one of those heavy, still, late summer afternoons that are common in August and September here. The final and probably most dramatic experience happened about a month before I moved out. I was sitting in the courtyard with a glass of wine and a book. I was maybe two sips into the wine, not even feeling it yet. It was late afternoon and my dog was lying at my feet. Out of the silence came three sharp knocks on the window of the living room. I remember hearing the rattle a window pane makes as it moves in its frame. I looked over in time to see the final vibrations and the reflection in the glass. My dog lost his mind. He went absolutely apeshit at the window. I immediately got up and went into the living room, wine glass in hand. Glass shards make a better weapon than nothing. Of course, I checked everywhere and nothing. Remember that there were no back entrances. The only way out was through the gate, which took a good minute and a half to fully open and made a racket in the process. I even knocked on the back door of the main house to see if any of the workers stayed late, but it was empty. I went back and stood in the doorway of the living room. In a voice loud enough to be heard through the whole building, I said something along the lines of understanding that I share the house. I asked it to please not do things like that again, as it scares the hell out of my dog and me. We weren't there much longer, but nothing happened in that final month. I love your work, and thank you for reading. Oh, man, that's from Elusive. Elusive, thank you very much for sharing. Great story. Yeah, uh, my dad's a deep south Cajun. He grew up down in Louisiana, and yeah, he's been, uh, obviously, in New Orleans many times. And I went to New Orleans once with him on a trip, but I was pretty young. 
I barely remember much of it, but uh, yeah, it's a great town filled with history and ghost stories and voodoo and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, you know, that's good that you uh, try to debunk, you know, just about everything, see what could happen, what could have made whatever, and that's what I do too. I just don't believe everything, you know. Got to look at all options, and that's good that you do that. But yeah, um, you know, animals are always a good indicator, especially when your dog's behavior just completely changed, it sounds like, when you got there. Um, Yeah. But it just seems to be noisy, you know. So, I guess if you, I guess you did put up with the noise for about six months. You said you stayed there, so well, that's a good thing, I guess. But yeah, I can tell. I could, you know, I know it's pretty spooky with noises, you know, with my own experiences. You know, the bangs and the doors slamming. It's uh, kind of startles you. <laughs> oh, elusive! Thank you very much for sharing. Great story, and. That is it, guys. That's all that uh, Britt sent me. And just a friendly reminder to you new guys that if you do have an experience that you want to share, just merely send it to Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at realparanormalactivity.com, and I'll read it off on a future episode. And also, don't forget to download the free RPA app. Just go to your app store, do a search for Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast, and download it for free. We had it built for you because we love you guys. And also, if you'd like to support us, get yourself a premium membership, and that's $3.99 a month. You can cancel anytime. And how you do that is just go to the website, realparanormalactivity.com. There's a big button there that says Get Premium Access. A dialog box will open up. You get to create your own account, your own username, your own password, and you're good to go. And you can also do that through the RPA app, and that helps us pay the bills. And what you also get with the premium membership is that you get the previous RPA archive shows. You get the previous listener stories, bonus episodes, interviews. Also, you get over 30 audiobooks of folklore of countries from around the world. So you get a lot for your money, and it helps to support the network. Thank you very much. And I am calling it. The show's been produced by myself and Brenda. It's also made possible by LaFosse Corporation. And man, we love you. Oh yeah, we do. As always, thank you and good night.